Hello everyone and welcome to Sigma Sports Presents Matt Stevens Unplugged. This episode features a truly incredible athlete, the current Women's World Hour record holder, Joss Loudon. What can I tell you about Joss? Well, she can ride 48.405 kilometers in 60 minutes, that's a metric hour. She was a formidable runner before she became a cyclist relatively late in life, and we talk all about that. Her mum has a dog called Ted, and I'm keen to find out whether she can compete with her mother's affection for that dog. I also find out what a single potato and a very large onion have to do with a military-style team-building exercise in the Norwegian woods. And in the Lewis quiz, I'm eager to find out if the World Championships of pea-throwing or sausage-hurling were held in her hometown. That's right, I ask all the important questions on this podcast. So pay close attention, folks. It's the Joss Loudon Deep Dive Interrogation Hour. You know it's that time again. Podcast. When you look at Joss Loudon's page on pro cycling stats, you might be forgiven for thinking she's an alien that was blasted down to planet Earth as an adult, only to begin cycling in her prime racing years. At the age of 30, she signed her first pro contract, and by the time she was 34, she'd won the Tour Feminine and become the Women's World Hour Record holder. So to ensure she's not superhuman, I've devised a series of tricky questions about her hometown of Lewis in the hope to trip her up and expose her as a mere mortal. Check it out. Hello, Joss. Thank you very much indeed for joining me on, uh, on Matt Stevens Unplugged. How the devil are you? Hello. Yeah, very well, thank you. Yeah, very pleased to be here. Thanks for having me. Nice one. Um, could you first off, if you don't mind, I know we had a brief chat before we, we kicked things off. Could you just tell us um, where you are in the world and what you can see immediately around you, however uh, exciting or dull, just um, <laughs> <for> your location? <laughs> uh, I am in Andorra. Um, I got up here last night, pretty late last night. Um, I'm sort of right in the middle of Andorra La Vella, which is sort of the main the main town in Andorra. I'm on, in a little hotel room looking out at the um, the shopping mile, which makes you feel like you're in duty-free in the mountains. It is duty-free in the mountains. Just, right. just shop after shop after shop filled with perfume um, and clothes and cigarettes and booze, and, but also really cool because it's um, – you know, ski town and everything. So, But yeah, so I'm here because uh, Dan and I are moving up here. So we're just finishing our residency um, application and we're just checking out our new apartment. So yeah, we flew in last night. So it's quite cool. So it's all, all, all changed for you, isn't it? I mean, so much has happened <laughs> yeah. to you over the last couple of years, especially this year and now moving into, there's, there's lots to talk about, but how are you in, um, how's your head? How are you coping with it all? Are you just, are you overall are you excited? How are you feeling? Yeah, no, everything's really good. It's pretty busy. Um, I I feel like people keep asking me how it feels to not be working now, now that mm. I've turned, you know, fully professional. And I'm like, oh, no, I've just got just as many balls or just as many plates spinning in the air. But that's because we've got this, yeah, the whole residency thing. Um, and sort of, yeah, the move out here to get sorted because, yeah, we've been living in the UK. And the last... Um, the last few weeks have been in Spain, down in Altier on camp. Um, so sort of tying in training camps with getting up here to, to finish this off has been busy. But it's all really, it's good. I'm not like complaining, not like, oh, it's tired. I'm 
not enjoying it. It's all it's all really good stuff. I'm excited to be up here anyway. It's a lot. I mean, I've I've been to Andorra a few times. It's for the Tour de France actually. Uh, when it when it passed through, um, and it's an, it's not much flat, is there? It is just it's just a big series of valleys and mountains. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it's not flat. Um, yeah. that's, that's, that's fine. Well, there's no airport for the – you physically can't land a plane. That's where most people fly into Barcelona and, and come across, don't they? Barcelona, you can just, you know, get in your helicopter. It's yes, of course. It's probably going to need to work on. Um, there is actually an airport, which is called, like, Andorra Airport. It's down in Lufso, which is just actually in Spain. And you right. can now fly to Madrid and – Maybe it's just Madrid. Anyway, it's not. Yeah, Barcelona is what we'll be using. But yeah, it's it's really cool up here. Um, I really like being in the mountains. I used to come and ski here when I was a kid quite a lot. Um, okay. So it's, it's quite fun being back. Feeling. Uh, that, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. You know, you're moving to somewhere like Andorra. And I mean, there's so many cyclists uh, are staying there for various reasons and obviously altitude being one of them, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, did you? at what point did you, did you and Dan decide that you were going to, well, well, actually, no, let's go back. Why did you choose Andorra ultimately? Um, good question. <laughs> and we I don't know, really. We, we, we Things change very quickly in our in our world. And I guess mm. towards the end of last season, there was a, a lot of change. Um, and we sort of just, just rolled with it um, and took the opportunities that sort of came in front of us. And um, the idea came about probably because Dan got um, – contract to go and work for Ineos or he started yeah. negotiations to go and work for Ineos and um they were pretty keen to have him based up here they've got a lot of riders based in Andorra um so it made sense for him to be based here um and this was pretty much running about the same time that Uno X were talking to me about a professional contract and going world tour yeah. um and I was starting to think okay what's going to put me in the best position to be able to you know, perform at that highest level. So I was thinking about things like, where do I want to live? Where do I want to train? Um, and it just kind of really just sort of seemed to fit really that we we moved out to Andorra. I mean, obviously there's there's benefits of, you know, a, a favorable tax system here, which is also yeah. appealing <laughs> to yeah. our move. Um, okay. But I think, yeah, I think partly it's it's taking the opportunities that we've got to to live somewhere else and, be some you know do something a bit different while we can it's exciting really? isn't it it it, uh, it, yeah. it does sound really really exciting are you um i mean you touched on it just a few moments ago this um this leap from when you've primarily been working and and riding uh, juggling a career with ntt and, and then racing at you know, it's an exceptionally high level i mean you must be very excited at the prospect of of just dedicating your time to to getting the most out of yourself over the next couple of years. I mean, because um, you've achieved so much whilst juggling your your job, and, and we can talk about that in a bit more detail, because I, I personally think there are some strange benefits to actually working, because I did mm. it for many, many years, especially in terms of the way you value your time. But that's going to change. Obviously, there'll be other things that you're doing, as you just said, but are you really excited at the prospect of just pretty much 100% going all in? Yeah, I am. It's, it is a tricky one as well, because... I, I feel like I've been such an like such a strong advocate for like um, really believing that uh, a mixture uh, like the work work life balance or being able to juggle the two things is actually is good. Yeah. And I've always thought that actually um, 
it's you know been it's been benefit to me because it enables me to sort of switch off from training all the time and actually do something different and use my brain in a different way and I I still agree with all of that but there is certainly no denying that my recovery is better now that I don't have to stress about working <laughs> so much yeah. or um I think that's it it's stressing for me like I don't really I don't sleep that well um I just if I have things to think about my brain will just will just whir away nice. um and I think just yeah if I've got meetings going on or some of the stuff that I was working on um for NTT is you know, it's quite I don't know it's quite significant like so it's it's basically working in I was working in operations team for you know I in for IT analytics companies and we're rolling out um rolling out big resourcing systems or whatever in you know big companies or big organizations and um you can't not get stressed and you can't not get um sort of tied up into things like that and um it is quite nice now that when I get into bed I don't have all of that going through my head in quite the same way um and I'm never going to be someone that just you know, just shuts my head off. Like I don't just come back from a ride and sit down and watch Netflix. It's just, that's never going to be me. I'm always going to be reading things or, you know, twiddling away or, I mean, I coach some riders as well, which takes quite a lot of time. So I'm always kind of interested in. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So just uh, a few, Um, but it means that I'm always kind of reading papers or listening to podcasts on, sort of you know physiology or training strategies and things like that so I'm never going to completely switch off uh, and I don't want to but I yeah. like being able to do it without the pressure of having to do it in quite the same way that I did before so I can yeah I think there's going to be benefits um I, uh, I'm really pleased that I've had the opportunity this year to be able to just focus on riding really so far I think, uh, yeah <laughs> I mean it's I mean just going back to, I mean, you've got a two-year deal, haven't you, with uh, with Uno X? They're, they're stepping mm-hmm. up, and they've, um, I think, they've got the same aspirations in the men's. The men's are still pro Conti, isn't it? But they're going to be moving up soon, I believe. Um, it sounds like a really, really interesting environment. What, what was your first impressions? Obviously, you were got the offer, took it, but when you first met with your teammates on the first camp, what was what was that experience <laughs> like for you? How, how, how does it compare to other teams? I'm laughing because it was mad. <laughs> was it? Like, it was brutal. I love that. That's, okay, tell me about it. Tell me about it. So do you know anything about it? Uh, the only the – only, no, I don't. The only bit okay. I've read – the only little yeah. bit I've read is um, – I think it was Hannah. Uh, Hannah Barnes said um, in a brief interview that – I think it saw something on Twitter. She said that's nothing – she's never experienced anything quite like it. <laughs> uh, so that is – that's all I've got. I, I, um, but – and she said there was a little bit about their attitude from a holistic perspective. It's yeah, racing is important, but life's more important than racing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that was that, that was what I drew from it. So, so what was your impression then? Yeah. So I mean, so first of all, the very first impression I had on the team. So originally, so the back back in the summer, um, when or back at the beginning of the summer when you know transfers and things like that are coming in, I sort of turned down a couple of offers from. Uh, some big teams that I decided yeah. that I actually wanted to stay with drops because yeah. I really, I really like the team. I really think that what uh, the management and what DS Nico, what Tom has done they're I think that, yeah, it's really cool. And what they're building up. Um, and I really liked being part of that. Yeah. Um, and I remember saying to Dan, I reckon there'll be, there'd be one team that would make me, that would really like, <laughs> um, 
really make me think like really can kind have of, you confuse me on that one so I'm just going to keep keep to myself and you know not <laughs> not like try and um not try and move because I was okay. I was really happy and then um I got uh, a message from from Jens and from Lars so both of them at Uno X saying we want to chat and I just went oh dear okay <laughs> this is right. going to complicate things because I just knew that it was they're good they were going to put in front of me something that I knew that I wouldn't be able to resist and I wasn't right um partly because uh you I just could sort of tell from the outside that they had the the sort of the values that I also have and the sort of the same sort of mental approach to things like pretty um you know pretty appreciative that your happiness and your life is is really important and you want to yeah. try and get you know maximize that and yeah of course we're we're here to race and everything but we're not going to do it in this you know it's going to be done in a nice way basically and um and but also in a way that I knew would be really professional um they had you know a good a good setup and they weren't going to do it half-heartedly and you know take it quite seriously with looking after us as individuals looking after us as, as athletes as women and um yeah, and so I ch- chatted to them, and I just knew that it was what I wanted to be part of, really. Um, and then, so that was my sort of first, um, you know, initial sort of view of them. And then, um, and then we had our first team building, which was in Norway in November, Lovely. beginning of November, which okay. I was nervous about because I hate the cold. Like, I was right. really <laughs> thinking, why are you going to Andorra? Like, how ridiculous! And I did wonder that earlier, actually. Um, <laughs> but. Um, no, I, I don't get on so well with the cold. And uh, and so I was a bit nervous about going to Norway. And we got sent, we weren't told very much. We were sent a um, like a packing list, which yeah. included um, thermal underwear, um, a sleeping bag that can cope with like minus 20 degrees or 40, minus 40 or something. Flipping heck. Okay. Um, like, uh, what else was on there? Like, yeah, obviously like hat, hat gloves. Um like thick old shoes, head torch. Um, <laughs> and you're oh, like, I, would be, uh, I bet you were getting increasingly more nervous as you're going through the list, weren't you? Well, you just read it and you're like, okay, we're going, we're going camping. We're going to be yes. staying in like, a, or a log cabin out in the wilderness or something. So you start to think, yeah. oh my God, what's going to be. And then just before we went, the men went on theirs. And so we did get a bit of a clue as to what was in store and what we could basically tell was that we were going to be doing military style training in the depths of the Norwegian forests in November and um so that was like oh that's actually you know pretty cool because it's much you know just like the cold love being outside and so I was pretty excited by that um and so yeah we turn up we get together and actually the first 24 hours or so is, is pretty cool we went and did some um motor racing um in gt86 round like this yeah motor like racetrack so that was really that was really cool and then went to a pretty nice hotel did like a nice meeting had a nice dinner a bit of a welcome get to know each other all really civilized Um, we then handed in our mobile phones Um, okay so that was it phone's gone um went to bed get a phone call next morning with no idea like what time it is or anything it's dark but then it's dark you know almost all day yes it doesn't doesn't mean much um we get up go downstairs have some breakfast where we then are taken to this military camp um we get into like overalls 
pack our military rucksacks with our sleeping bags and our sleeping mats and our thermals and everything else. And we go out yeah. into, into the forests where we then put up a, get into team, put up one of these like canvas tents and then yeah. take it down and then put it back up again and then take it down. And you're like, Oh, God's sake. This is, wow. this is well, madness. kind of strange. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then we got onto this really cool obstacle course, which was like mad and like proper, like army style obstacle course. None of this, like, you know, get a carabiner and a rope and a hard hat. You're just thrown at it, climbing over these walls, carrying these like massive, like, I'm not, they're probably not 25 kilograms, but it felt like 25 kilogram to me, um, like battery packs over like slippery logs and stuff. Flipping it. Um, so that was pretty mad. And it basically went on in this sort of manner through the night. I think we, we built a campfire at um, about 2 a.m. Um, right. Oh, I forgot to tell you. So we had no food. So we had um, we were in teams and we got rations. So we got given okay. um, a potato and right. uh, an, an onion. And to be fair, it was quite a big onion. Like, right. Like, <laughs> like a right. onion. Okay. And, which we then boiled at 2 a.m. and made onion water, which was delicious. I have to say, if you're starving, I, even onion, onion water. water tastes good. I thought you were going to say you made, <laughs> you made like onion soup, but onion water. Okay. Well, we, we thought we could maybe um, like make like potato and onion soup, something yeah. like that. But actually, we decided that we boiled the potato, we ate the potato, and then we uh, boiled the onion and then drank the onion water. Um, delicious. And... <laughs> And then, um, and then they sort of were like, oh, you should probably lie down and have a bit of a sleep. Um, but it didn't really happen. But then like an hour later or something, we got taken inside and then it was like a May, um, like circuit training followed by right. a bleep test. So this is now like 5 a.m. Um, so, so you wouldn't have had any real sense of what time it was then because you wouldn't have had your phone, would you? You would have just been a little bit uh, discombobulated you've almost. You've got no idea what time it yeah. is. And actually when you have... You can kind of get a, still have a feel for time um, yeah. all the while you're kind of conscious. But as soon as you like close your eyes, so having like a small little nap for like, because you could have been 10 minutes, could have been an hour, but then that completely throws you because then you've lost your concept completely of yes. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is now, yeah. Five o'clock leap test. And then it was like, take it to the swimming pool where you had to do this, like think you stand on like this diving board Um which is like three and a half meters up and then you have to fall backwards and if you stay completely straight and lead with your head then you land like completely 180 degrees upside down just straight into the water but if you like bottle it then you like smash down and then you really hurt yourself so you have to like not bottle it, it <laughs> flipping heck so you were fully dressed into yeah. a cold swimming pool no it was the- actually really warm Oh, is it other pools? I, actually, okay, I right. actually didn't do this bit. I didn't do the bleep test either because earlier on in one of the obstacles courses, there's this one called like, it's called the rib cruncher where you stand on this like concrete bar and then you have to get from the next concrete bar, which is really high up. And yeah. I like launched it and jumped and landed down and like smashed down on my ribs. Oh, Like really bad. So I had a bit of an injury. So I didn't have to do the bleep test, but um, which was a bit of a shame actually because I, I like running. Um, I, 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 I used to like bleep, bleep, doing a bleep test when I first joined the well when I joined the police um, I had to do bleep tests and we did an outward bound course in North Wales similar to what you you just described actually it was very very military but back back in the day we didn't have phones and stuff but um, anyway sorry it, I've, so I've experienced it something similar it sounds really similar, similar. yeah it yeah, sounds very yeah. similar and then um, and then after that we we finished that off with like this four hour 
trek with some more like puzzles and obstacles but like and then we had pizza then we had pizza it was really good Wow, um, that's a... at 11 a.m so that was like what 24 25 to 6 27 so hours after we've been fed previously flipping egg apart from so, our onion water yeah i mean um I, i'm feeling a bit of onion water coming on um, after this podcast i might just pop to the kitchen i think i've <laughs> but, got a re- i've got a reasonable sized onion i might give it a go i have to just i have to say that this was all done in a really nice way like it wasn't aggressive army like you have to do this like you right, okay. it was all really like in good spirits and you just kind of get on with it and I think what yeah. it was it was so good and the thing that made it really worthwhile is when we came to go when we came to our first training camp which was in December in Spain in sunny warm Spain yeah. um we'd had this experience all together we'd spent you know, even though it was only a couple of days because we'd been awake for pretty much the whole thing, we'd had a lot more hours together than, you know, than we would have done. And we'd, you know, been up all night and I don't know, just we kind of all just gelled really quickly. Um, I and, you've got no, you've got no choice either of you. I mean, no. I mean, just stripping away that one thing now that almost if, if we, our phones, we, we are addicted, whatever we, whether we like it or not, we are kind of addicted to our phones in varying degrees, but taking that away and getting back to basics, um, it just adds so much more to, you know, you, you just more, it's more concentrated, isn't it? You know, when, you, when mm-hmm. you're doing those sorts of tasks that are quite unusual as a team, what a, what an icebreaker, really. Yeah. Um, what, and, a, what a really interesting way to get to know people. Exactly. And um, like, you just, you kind of don't really appreciate the things that you're actually, that, re- that really are your strengths or really like individualize you until you're kind of slightly stripped of all your comforts. Sure. Okay. Um, and you see them in your teammates as well. And I yeah. think it, that's really valuable because these are the these are the girls that we're going to be racing with, that we're going to be, you know, in really tough conditions together. Yeah. Um, and you you have, yeah, you come away with huge amounts of respect for each other that I think mm. that you would not usually get if you'd just, we'd just gone and done, you know, face painting or whatever it is other people do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was cool. <laughs> so no, that was my you, first impression. Slightly wow. mad, but like really, really cool. And 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 your new teammates. I mean, I've just I'm just got the list up in front of you. You've got twelve. It's a team of twelve, isn't it? You mm-hmm. know, uh, and you've got one of your ex teammates, Eleanor Barkey. You, you were with Eleanor uh, a yeah. couple of years back. With 2019, weren't you? Um, 2019 with drops. And yeah, I know Elle pretty it. well. Um, yeah, and so then yeah, that's uh, really nice. Yeah, and you've got obviously Hannah there as well that we who we talked about earlier on. Um, it's, it looks like a really, really, and Hannah Ludwig's a really good signing across from Canyon. It's, it looks like a really, really strong team. Yeah, it it's re- it's a really nice team. Um, some super strong riders. Obviously, we've got the two girls that have come from DSM as well, so Susanna and Wilma. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they bring a lot of ex- a lot of ex- sort of experience and knowledge with them. Um, and Julie Leth, uh, who's been, I mean, she's about ten years professional, I think. So right, okay. Um, yeah, there's loads of people to still, you know, to learn from. Like we're a hugely wide range of ages. I am the oldest by a few years, but the young, there's a lot of young ones. Um, it is quite, it is quite mad. Some of the, yeah, like we've got a one sprinter. So a Nina, she's 18. She turned 18 in August, and she's unbelievable. Oh, is this like, the, the girl from Finland? Yes. Oh yes. my yeah, yeah. God. Her sprint is just someone else. So exciting. Like it really is. It gets me excited thinking about it. Like, um, yeah, it's really cool. I probably shouldn't give away these like little secret weapons that we've got. Well, no, but... no, that's what I want to I mean, you're doing a great job of hardly asking any questions, just offering it all up. I love it. It's great. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. No, I, I, 
it's um it, it sounds from um the way you're describing it that you're exceptionally excited about next year and especially given I mean, all the, the women that I've spoken to over the last year or so since we started this pod, you know, the, the, the way, and it seems like I'm kind of asking the same question, but the the way the sport finally, the women's side of the sport is is, is evolved and is moving at a pace, um, it really is gathering some serious momentum now, isn't it? You know, and mm-hmm. you've been given this opportunity. The, you're the oldest rider in the team, as you say, at 34, but still with years ahead of you. But um you know, you're not necessarily the most experienced, I guess, are you? Because you've, you've one thing we f- that you forget when you look at what you've achieved, you've not been doing it very long, relatively speaking, have you? No, not not cycling racing. I suppose it's, I suppose it depends when you when you talk about experience, what it is that you're you're looking at. Because yeah, in terms of years spent in the World Tour peloton, I've got really not very much experience, you know, at all. Like really, not a lot. But in terms of years of living and training as an athlete yeah then I've got you know years and years and years and of course yeah um so I think that's yeah why it's really important to when you build a team you do build a you know competition of different riders and and I hope that even though I haven't got you know years of experience of I haven't ridden all of the world tour races hopefully I'll be able to contribute still you know valuable experience so and it's um so Looking at look, got you again. I've got your program up in front of me. Um, I know you want to you, you you love the stage race. You obviously won the, the Tour de Feminine last year. That, that and with that ridiculous long distance break, you finally finished <laughs> everybody off. Um, but again, looking at what you're going to be racing, a lot of the classics: Amstel, Flesch, Liège, uh, and then off to the Giro Donna, and then the Tour de France Femme avec Zwift. That must be. I mean, it looks just an absolutely banging pro, uh, program for you. It is. It's a pretty mad program. I think if if I didn't have such good coaches, I would be really, really nervous about how we were going to do it. But I have quite yeah. a lot of trust. So Alex Greenfield, so um, a Welsh um, ex-rider, and she went and worked over with the Australian uh, track team for a while, and she's come back. And so she's my coach, along with Yella Dion, who's come from DSM. Okay. And uh, I just, I think they're really good. I really like what they've sort of done so far with with me and the training that I've done and yeah I, I sort of really trust their their approach actually I've had my um sort of performance plan sent just before this call I was having a look at it and um yeah I think that the the program is 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 busy and the races yeah. are, are big and how we manage it is going to be a bit of a, a fine art I imagine but it was yeah when we were at camp we we're sort of sitting down having a chat about the program and you just hear it like I almost had that slight imposter syndrome, you know, when you hear your, na- your name along with things like Altitude, Giro, Tour de France, and then you're like, what? Is this me? Is this my race calendar? We're talking, oh, my God. Okay. All right, that's what we've got coming up this year. That's a bit nuts. Oh, and then we want to finish it off with Worlds. Okay, cool. Um, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course, to just the end, end of the season. So, um, yeah, I think that looking at my calendar, there's a lot to be – pretty excited about um i'm actually t- to be honest though there's there'll be some races that i'll play a bit of a support role in as well so the earlier yeah. earlier in the season um and which i'm actually looking forward to doing um to being able to to yeah work work a bit um support some of the other girls in some of the races that i'm sort of yeah slightly less suited to or sure. you know ones that i can just yeah do a job um so I think I've got a good calendar. It, it does look really good. I mean, what what are you most, apart from being in a new environment, a new team, new objectives, what do you hope 
to get out of the next few years on a personal level? Is there an element of the sport that you, because you're an, as we know, you're an exceptional time trialist, undoubted time trialist. You're clearly a remarkably uh, gifted rider in stage races as well. What about the the, the single day classics? I mean, the, the way I mean, I, I always had the the pleasure to commentate on your on your medal in the national road champs, which. I know it's, which is a beautiful, beautiful race, Lincoln Grand Prix, a, a race we, uh, that's dear to all of our hearts and that is our only real blue ribbon classic, isn't it? But And there are similarities to that race, to, to racing on, on the cobbles. But are there elements of the sport that you've yet to really properly dip your toe into that you'd like the opportunity to do uh, in the next couple of years? Yeah, definitely. I think I kind of want to go back to feeling a bit like a, a climber. Um, right, which, okay. Because... Uh, I feel like that's kind of where I came from. Like when I first got into cycling racing, like I, you know, was doing the hill climbs and it was always the hilly races that I really looked for. And then I think because I was doing the hour and the time trialing, I sort of turned myself into a bit of a, just an, an engine, uh, a bit yeah. of a, and, and I did sort of lose that, that kick um, and the fire and, and I can feel it. And it's something that we're, yeah, we're absolutely working on. And I can feel that I can feel it different already I feel like it's coming back which is really nice because like whilst you know I absolutely still want a time trial and um I still think that uh yeah there's you know I think I'd be I'll be a better time trialist from training like this actually as well but I think um I'm going to just enjoy being able to race a bit like that and feel like I've got a bit more fire in me um so the training is interesting and then um yeah just sort of seeing I mean, how well I how well I can do when I've got um, you know this strong team around me and and uh, sort of focusing on it in in it's like yeah in total. So um, and um, yeah, I I think as you as you said before, the opportunity to actually get that proper rest, and we all know, I mean the the advanced in training and understanding of physiology have moved on leaps and bounds. But one thing remains is the fact that you know to get the most out of yourself out of any athlete you've got to have that recovery and now that's one side that will hopefully you know you'll be in a far better place I mean so it's it's really really exciting to think that you can potentially un- when you look at what you've achieved already and then you've got this opportunity now to essentially unlock all being well a little bit more of your potential that must really motivate you yeah definitely and I feel like all the things that I've learned about what hasn't worked it's yeah. I feel like I'm in an environment where I can you know yeah put it into practice like I've learned a lot about what doesn't make me go well like where I have problems where I you know just like yeah recovery like sleep um like when you're traveling around a a lot it's difficult when you're in new environments or difficult for me in new environments to sleep um in stage races and things like that and I've now got uh yeah I've got a team with like you know really good nutritionist um Hannah Mayo so she's works with Man City Football Club so she's come across um, so she's really good. And so we're looking at all aspects of nutrition, obviously not just fueling for racing and recovery, but to help me, you know, sleep better and um, just sort of, yeah, just being in an environment where all the things that I've sort of learned about how, what not to do, I can also apply, which yeah. is really, really kind of pretty exciting. I mean, I'd like to, in a, in a bit, I'd like to go to rewind actually, if you don't mind, and just talk about the transition into cycling relatively late. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing, because I, I was a runner um, before I, I cycled, although I, I, in my teens I played football a lot and um, 
was a good middle distance runner and then I was injured and so I went up to cycling but you were running for a lot longer weren't you so what is there a particular element to running that has really helped you in cycling do you think um or or is there is, is there or, or is it is it more like pain management I'm just trying to because running is such a it's very really different <laughs> yeah it's, yeah I'm just wondering if there's something that you that you you know you've brought across from running that you apply to cycling? I mean, it's, I don't think I've ever asked anybody that question before. It's quite interesting. I think what I'm aware of is the fact that I think I'm quite, um, I respond quite effectively to different training, um, like methods, different training stimuluses. And I could look sure. back when I was running, I was like that. So when I was really young, I did a lot more on the track and I could like sprint pretty fast. And then yeah. um, as I sort of got older, I got into a bit more like longer endurance sort of running and I trained that and then I got pretty good at just holding the same like a pace and just sort of churning away and so I think that yeah that sort of knowledge that I can kind of do both and so but yeah when I run I was I suppose my best like sports really was um like cross countries so sure. anything yeah, with some hills some change in pace change in sort of I suppose in in cycling, we'd call it talk. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But you know what? It's the same really for running, isn't it? Whether you're running uphill, whether you're running downhill on the flat, like it's different biomechanics. And I think I, when I was doing that, I obviously re- responded well when I trained for that and was able to race like it. So, um, and then, yeah, in terms of just what it's added to my cycling, I think probably just years and years of, of training. And yeah, it's so second nature. Like, I think... People ask me, uh, like, do you have to have a special diet? And I'm like, no, I just eat what I want to eat. And then yeah. I think my dad pointed out once, he was like, no, you eat a special diet. You just don't realize it's special because it's what you've been eating your whole life. Um, yeah, so that's an interesting way of putting it into perspective, isn't it? Yeah, like it's not special. Like I, it's not special or, you know, you, I don't have to think about it really because it is what I'm just so programmed to eat. Like you fuel well for your training, you fuel for your recovery. I eat, you know, like really, well, I suppose people would say really healthily food, like lots of nutrients, lots of vegetables and stuff. And of course, like that's just what I've always had. Yeah. Um, so I suppose that, yeah, the running background and training sort of, well, pretty much forever. I've had some years where I haven't been quite so well behaved, I guess. Right, right. <laughs> like, but I think that's also really healthy. <laughs> oh god you, you do need you, we all need to um let not necessarily let off steam although that is one thing just relaxing and 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 go, moving away from such a, a rigid structure um in terms of training um time yeah, going to bed at certain no. time stuff we do need we, we do need a little and i think different people need maybe different amounts but i think historically professional cyclists in particular i, I used to remember the end of the season I used to see it coming and then I was literally just change. I'd eat loads of chocolate. I'd eat loads of drink, um, go out. It was just, it was like I was another person, but I needed to do it. And then that would taper off and it'd be out of my system. Then I'd get back into the, to the more, you know, um, yeah, the more, uh, what's the word? Monk-like. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Monastic. Yeah. Experience because, because, to get results that you have, there's a lot of sacrifices mentally, very, very difficult. So I, I, I used to kind of binge at the end of the season was, was my, yeah. was my answer to it. See, see, I, I don't really, because I, I don't really 
I don't go down the full route of like deprivation. Like if I want a beer, I'll have a beer. If I yeah. if I want chocolate, which I, I want every day, so I eat chocolate. And <laughs> yeah. I think because I've never been someone that's like, oh my God, I really want a McDonald's and I want to like down like two liters of WKD or something because yeah. I just don't want to do that. So sure. that's I don't have that like end of season. That's what I want to do. Like, of course, at the end of the season, yeah, of course we, you know, drink more and stay up a bit later. But like, I don't, I think because I don't really completely deprive myself, I don't have that like, oh my God, I've got to just totally blow out. But also, yeah, like I've had years where I, like after I went to, when I went to, before, we, before I went to university, I went to ski season in Chamonix and I didn't train and I just skied and partied the whole time. And then yeah. like, yeah, through university, I went out like a lot and I did a bit of sport, played a lot of netball, did some running, but I was kind of just much more just, kind of normal yeah I guess and yeah. um and because some people say don't you not regret like really getting into this getting into your cycling sooner and I feel a little bit like that I've got this slight pressure cooker kind of in right. the background that's kind of a bit I do feel a bit pressured because I feel like I'm really just tapping into the prime of my career and obviously I know that there's you know there's elements of time that are against me um but at the same time I've had a really good, you know, t- 10 years of working in a really interesting industry. Uh, yeah. You know, lived in London, went to university, done ski seasons. Like I've had, I've, I've had a life outside of just my cycling. Totally. Yeah. Um, it, 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 uh, I think that's a really, really um, valuable thing to, I think, I think that's massively important. It's um, again, I'm not comparing myself to you, but just in terms of, I didn't turn pro till I was 30 properly. I raced at a high level all the way through till I was 30. Oh, wow. I only had a very, a very short tenure um, and I'd worked all the time. Um, but what that, and people said, well, isn't that detrimental? I said, well, no, because I, I valued my time. Mm-hmm. Um, I trained really, really smart as best I could. Um, back in a day when the information, the access to information was obviously different. Um, but everybody, it was the same for everybody. But I actually look back and although... It's been an unusual career to what that's led me to what I'm doing now. I I wouldn't want to change it because it's it really has made me. It's given it's given me d- different opportunities in a different order. Um, so I'm I'm more than happy with the, the way I've ended up. And it's and look at what you've already achieved. But you've got also a real rich diversity and and you what you what you have, which is really important, especially in sport, when you're sacrificing yourself, when you look at what matters, is rich context you'll understand mm-hmm. what proper stresses stresses what real decision making is and all that i think helps you uh, on the bike without a shadow of a doubt yeah yeah i know i agree with you and i think yeah you you sort of yeah hit the nail on the head there actually and um yeah you're not going to begrudge the time that you spent doing something something different but um and yeah i, I think that's it you try and take everything that or i try and take everything that i've learned in my life and in my careers and the things that I've done so far and apply it. And I mean, generally it means that, yeah, you have a pretty good ability to get on with, with everybody I meet and kind of have, you know, understand that, you know, people come from different backgrounds and everybody sort of responds and behaves differently. And if you have that sort of level of empathy, when you're in the team, you can, it's only a good thing. Um, So they're all, all valuable skills. Definitely. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to, um, Let's have a quiz. I mean, I asked you on the email where you were brought up, um, mm. and it's, it's Lou's. Is it how do you, is it Lou's? Lewis. Lewis. 
Lewis. Okay, Lewis. Sorry, Lewis. Um, near Lewis Brighton today. in the south of yeah. England. Um, so what I've done, uh, Joss, is knocked up a quiz. Okay, here's I love the quiz. <laughs> and here we've, got, here we've even got a little jingle for you. So it's time for the Lewis quiz. Yo, yo. What's up? Y'all ready? Uh-huh. Let's do it. Ta-ta, turn off your phone. That's right. Get your thinking cap on. Yeah, yeah. It's time. What time? <laughs> time for the Lewis quiz. <laughs> there you go. I, I mean, that, that took was Niall. not. That was not yeah. what I was expecting. No, no. I, <laughs> I think it was going to be like a little like chime of a little bell, like. Ding, 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 oh no! I mean, uh-huh. uh, Niall's pretty much been working on that jingle for best part of a week. Um, oh, wow. So fair play to Laddie. He's. Um, I think he <laughs> loves it. He, he really does love it. So, uh, Joss, it's four questions okay. um, about Lewis, but. They're multiple choice, so um, you will have an option, okay? okay. Um, so here we go. Let's start. There's so a lot four- of pressure. Like, my Lewis, like, uh, background and growing up with my friends, uh, we're all from there. We have very, very strong Lewis bonds. And if I get these wrong, I will probably be booted from, like, oh, all, all so, the WhatsApp groups. Yeah, some of these are quite tangential. Um, okay. So they're, they are, they're all to do with Lewis. Um, I've spent um, a good couple of hours this afternoon actually mining the internet for these, uh, primarily uh, Wikipedia. Um, it's quite, Lewis has a very good page. It's, it's a wonderful history lesson. Anyway, less of that, more of the questions. First okay. up is this. Okay, question number one. What is the name of the pub in South Street named in memory of the Lewis Avalanche um, in the winter of 1836 to 1837, which in which snow eight drop. people you got it the snow you got it the snowdrop <laughs> I said it when you said South Street the other thing that I'll tell you that's interesting I was born on that street wow yeah right just a few maybe 100 metres no less than that 50 metres from the snowdrop pub in the bath in the bathroom on South Street flipping heck that's I don't think I've ever had in all the pods we've <laughs> done and this is I think this will be episode 63 we've ever ever had such a close link or that's tie to a question um, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a bonus point. Okay. Um, so just for being born near an answer. <laughs> I bet nobody's ever said that to you before. Born near an answer in a quiz. Um, have you been in the snowdrop then for a couple of uh, couple of halves? Is it nice? I've been in the snowdrop, yeah. Yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah it's, it's good, actually. And um, had some Christmas Eves in the snowdrop. Um, yeah, quite a lot of times I've, yeah get, get together down there. It's really cool. And there's actually, there's a new brewery that's opened up just down there as well called Beak Brewery. And it's right. really amazing. It's really cool. And that's like just along from Snowdrop. Anyway, yeah. This is like a, a little um, tourism. There's also I mean, um, the- a Grand Designs. Um, one of the Grand Designs houses is right next to Snowdrop Pub as well, just sort of across the road. Really? Mm. Oh, I'm going to have to get on Google Street View a bit later and check it out. But uh, no, <laughs> my, um, it's a very, tra- I mean, in all seriousness, that the, when I was reading about it, it was awful. It was a big build-up of snow. It was one of the harshest winters ever recorded, wasn't it? And this yeah. enormous avalanche came down into the into the town, and and sadly, as, as people lost their lives. But so, what a lovely name for a, a pub, though. My uh, the ones I made up were the snowflake, the snowdrift, and the icicle. But oh, I had, I had multiple choice. Oh, yes, but you just got it. Yeah, it, it's a multiple choice quiz, but you didn't need it. You just steamed straight in because you were right. such a local. Anyway, question number two. Okay. Joss, what animal adorns um, the Lewis coat of arms? Okay, is it A, a stag, B, a bear, C, a lion, or D, a tiger? 
Oh my god, I have absolutely no idea. Oh no, I'm going to be never allowed back in the town. Well, it's yeah. Um, Lewis I'm, I'm, coat of arms. Yeah, so I, I'm looking at. I think look- it's a lion. Are you going to stick, stick with that? Yeah. I think it's a lion. Correct. Well Is done. Oh. Yes. Oh. Nice one. I was trying to picture it. Okay, that was a bit unsure. No, well done because it, it's a it's a shield and there's, it's like a checkerboard, but uh, yeah. yellow and blue squares, and then there's a then in the top right corner is a lion who um it's the lion is is the coat of arms of the Fitzalan family back in the day um yeah. apparently uh, back in the 13 1400s um mm. so well, there, there you go so question number 3 um this might be my favorite question out of this this uh, this quiz actually um lewis has a strong tradition of pub games okay um over the years but what world championship has it hosted in the past? Okay. Big, strong tradition of pub games, but what world championships has it hosted in the past? Was it A, the World Sausage Hurling Championships, B, the World Pea Throwing Championships, C, the World Squirrel Staring Championships, or D, the World Turnip Eating Championships? Um, oh, dear. Yeah, they're all a bit strange, aren't they? Squirrel staring, I'm going to go with no. Okay. <laughs> um, I just don't think so. Uh, turnip eating, I feel like... I just don't think that we've got any connection to turnips in this. Turnip I, do you know what I really like? I like it when um, people explain their rationale and their process of elimination. I really like your logic here. Well, I'm trying to apply some logic. I don't think, I just can't think of any time that we've been eating turnips. However, pea throwing, was that one of them? Yes, pea throwing or sausage hurling are the other two. Uh, I think because you said sausage hurling, the word hurling, I feel like is something that Louis, Louisians would do. Mm. Um, so I'm kind of feel leaning towards sausage hurling Okay, is that your final answer? Why is it pea throwing? <laughs> pea throwing or sausage hurling? Yeah. A pub game. Mm. Sausage hurling. Did we really? Do we do that? I know we hurl sausages. I just don't know. <laughs> do we throw peas? What, as in like garden peas? Garden tiny, peas, yeah. Tiny little peas. Yeah, as in little peas. What is it? Throw it like as far as you can get, or I, I guess, I guess so. I mean, uh, I, yeah, I guess so. But it, with, with all the, yeah, it's. I'm going to go with sausage churling because that sounds like just. I feel that pea throwing it's like not that good a spectator sport if you, were, <laughs> you didn't have like a good front seat because you wouldn't be able to see the pea. That's a so good point. I think we're going to go with sausage hurling. Okay, well, I'm, I'm afraid uh, oh. you've chosen wrongly. It is pea throwing. Oh. The World Pea Throwing Championships is held in Lewis. Uh, sausage hurling I invented, uh, but would, would really like to have a go. Um, I guess when you think about hurling a sausage, um, so if you had a sausage and you hurled it, you'd probably be able to hurl it quite a long way yeah I thought that I was picturing the pub garden for this yeah yeah I suppose pub garden death but definitely not indoors because they'd just Uh, all hit the wall wouldn't they but if you were to throw a pea you wouldn't be able to throw it that far um I guess I don't know but but no no Lewis has hosted the world pea throwing championships there you go there you go 
Amazing. Well, at least you've learned something today. I certainly have. I've um, learned that. So it's a good thing that I had my bonus point in the first round because now yes. I am still three on three, so it's fine. Yeah, you still got 100%. <laughs> um, can you finish, uh, finish this off? Finish off, okay. Um, okay, this is question number four. What is the name of Lewis FC's ground? Okay, so Lewis Football Clubs. What's the oh, name I know, of the... I know, I know. What is it? <laughs> Jumps it. <laughs> you, like, you, you'll get an extra. You'll get an extra point if you can just name it. It's, it's like it's like the frying pan or the dripping pan or something. Oh, I'm going to re- read you the choices. Okay, here yeah. we go. Is it A the saucepan? No. B the dripping pan. C the frying pan or oh, D okay. the roast pan. It's the, the dripping pan. The dripping pan, yeah. Yeah. Correct, hundred oh percent. <laughs> I was like, it's well definitely done. dripping pad or frying pad. Oh damn it, both of them are in there. Uh, yeah, so that football um, ground is on the road that I went to school on. So I walked right. past that what every single day, twice a day for five years, and it was wow. also right next to the athletics track where I also trained. What? four times a week every day for about 15 years 10 years so i was like oh god if i get this wrong i'm never ever Blimey. i mean the, the how again i'll reiterate i've never had a guest so connected to the quiz questions uh, it's quite <laughs> quite astonishing uh, so congratulations and uh, so good knowledge um good knowledge but just yeah, not you, of the pee throwing but i'm gonna throw, i mean i'm gonna put quite, that to my lewis uh whatsapp thread and see if anybody else knows that they probably all will but i'm gonna see no, but 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 well done. Um, so yes, um, yeah, uh, that was uh, I quite enjoyed that quiz. But yes, um, well done. I liked it as well because it wasn't about cycling, and sometimes it's nice to talk about other things. It is. It is nice to talk about other things. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a, a, a cycling type podcast, but we do get tangential um, from 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 time to time. I'm going to take think- this quiz to um, to dinner with me tonight to Dan and see whether he has been able to pick up the knowledge of Lewis in such in. The Go for it. I mean, I can. He's not yeah, in the room no, anymore, so he won't. I definitely say you, you, you can't cheat. I mean, that, that's that's. Um, so, well, actually, let's rewind a little bit. Um, so, how because you were a runner? Um, at what point then did you make this transition? I know you have talked about it a lot, but for anybody who's listening and wants a little bit more about you, what what point then did you make this transition, and how did that come about uh, to end up being well, being as successful as you have been? Um, always cycled but never particularly enjoyed it, but just did yeah. it because my family were all really keen and that's what our family holidays were like, really. Um, just always sort of active or, you know, just go and do a sporty for just 160K or something casual. And, um, and yeah, I just used to kind of get on with it and our family holidays were cycling holidays and stuff. But then um, when it was 2016, 2015 into 2016, I just stopped being able to run. Like my knees just really hurt. There wasn't right. anything like really wrong with them. It was just sort of like biomechanically, like the ITBs were really tight. It would pull my kneecaps around and get really bad pain. And um, and then sort of around that time, my dad said, why don't I come on the Lewis Wanderers um, Cycling Club's uh, training camp slash cycling holiday to Mallorca. Yeah. So myself, uh, my sister Hattie and her boyfriend Tom, the three of us went along. And we just had such a good time and I just rode really hard and was sort of like racing up the hills with all the guys and 
like kicking their heads in basically (laughs) to be totally (laughs) honest which they probably will remember it differently but that's how I remember it (laughs) uh, which was probably wrong but I I remember it being super cool and um, I just had such a good time and made some really good friends that you know really into cycling and I, I came back from that trip and went and bought a TT bike off eBay uh, went and just jumped straight into a TT. Wow. So um, you just, you just took to it immediately. Yeah, I did. She bought the TT yeah. bike off eBay on the Saturday and then I did one on the Monday. And, wow. and I like <laughs> rode out to the TT course and I hadn't dared to go down into the extensions because I was like too scared. Cause you know, it feels really wobbly at first. Of course. So yeah. I rode out thinking I can't do how to do it. And then I got to like the start line, the, the, um, what are they, the people that hold you, and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, how do I do this? And they were like, just go for it. I was like, okay, just go for it. So I went for it. And then I set a course record. So cool. basically you, you went into the time trial and then realized on the start line, you didn't really know what to do. Apart from, no, do, apart from just ride as hard as you can. How far was it? A 10? Yeah. So there's, it. there's a, it's one of the simple, it's simple, it's hard and it's just brutal. But yeah, so you just rode as hard as you could. Brilliant. I just rode as hard as I could. Um, <laughs> and probably with absolutely no style at all. Um and then, yeah, and then I was just, yeah, absolutely hooked. And um, I just spent that that summer just, like, completely addicted, just riding loads and loads and loads. And then did a load of hill climbs at the end of the season. Um, and then it was sort of one of those that a team, which was called Apria, HSS Hire, British team, mm. um, said, do I want to come race for them? So I was like, yeah, cool. So then went and did a race season with them. And then, yeah, then it was just away, really. Um and it's just really bizarre though, because I really did not like cycling. Right. But then, interestingly, so I was with uh, my brother a couple of days ago uh, down in Calpay, and he found on his phone a photograph of me and him walking down a road in at the top of in Mallorca, the top of the, the Puig, you know. The, yep. Uh, yeah, Puig Mayor, yeah. And that's it, Puig Mayor. Uh, so we're up at the top there, and we're walking down an icy road, and I'm pushing my bike, and I'm wearing the shortest shortest shorts no <laughs> overshoes no leg warmers no no socks it appears but maybe the ankle socks Blimey. and like this light um lightweight reflective vest and i'm like what the hell am i doing no wonder i hated cycling so much i was probably so cold that i could like probably can barely feel any part of my body like yeah. probably was going to like slip in the ice and i was walking and not riding i thought no wonder God. i hated it like i was genuinely clueless um, but yeah, something changed, uh, on that trip to Mallorca and I've just absolutely loved it ever since. I love riding my bike now. It's, it's, it, it, what, what it's, I think what cycling leads to, um, in terms of the people you meet, the, the, the fact that you get to travel the world and, and you, the rel- again, the relatively short span of time when you, you hit the ground running, well, you didn't hit the ground running, you hit the <laughs> ground cycling, whatever, but you, you were successful pretty much, you know, immediately. And, you know, within a few years you were on the podium with Dan at the, uh, in Harrogate in the world. I mean, that must've been a wonderful, wonderful moment. Um, yeah. I think that is up there, you know, one, yeah, of, one of the be, best feelings, partly because it was so unexpected. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's the thing when you achieve something that is actually, you do not even imagine it because you just, it just doesn't cross your mind that it's a possibility. Yeah. I think Dan had, had always dreamed that we'd be up there, but it never crossed my mind. I don't think. <laughs> it's just the, the, we we can't not briefly just talk about the synergy, you know, the, the relationship you've got, the fact that you were on the podium together in the mixed relay, inaugural mixed relay in Harrogate, 
and then you broke the hour record, the world hour record, and then Dan broke the British hour record on the same track the day after. That's some pairing you guys have got. That really is some pairing. He, he is. He's quite. He's quite a guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think. Um, oh no, he's he is absolutely incredible. Really, like the. I think quite a lot of my passion comes from the amount of passion that he has. Like, um, it's it's really. I think we're really fortunate to be able to to share it. And yeah, I bet you can week. learn from each other. I bet you must be able to learn from each other as well. I mean, bounce off each other. You got that the relationships there, but in terms of of your of, of how intelligent you both are, uh, and oh, the understanding you. of physiology <laughs> and so. But do you know that there's there's clearly we've got different things definitely yeah, to bring exactly. To it, yeah. But you can leverage each other and and, and challenge each other and, and and learn from each other. Um, and your own experiences I bet that must be quite rewarding yeah it is and we always have we always sort of investigating or researching like different things like we always had have kind of like slightly wacky projects ongoing like during like during lockdown especially like our kitchen became we would yeah tire testing and I'd be like testing all the tires and he'd be like number crunching or we tried to make how how are you testing tires I'm just right I need to ask how how are you testing tires in the kitchen yeah tell me about that uh, well, you so see, you've we've got so depends whether you're doing front and rear. But I was when we were testing, I was just doing just one tire, so it's just a rear. So the front, yeah. so you have the front like um, forks, and the rear is like rollers. Yeah. And then you you quite simply you're you're riding at a speed. So yes. um, you've got speed sensor, and you're riding at so you you say you're going to do it at you know forty kilometers an hour or something, which requires actually very little power because yeah. you're just that you know hardly any resistance, but the and then you look at the number of um, the amount of watts required to obviously ride that speed. Like the, the serious technical te- technical answer, I can't give you, nor do you probably sure. need to hear it. But um, and then yeah, you just you yeah you look at the yeah, you crunch the numbers and then and then you change the tire, do another one, and the difference it makes is absolutely huge. So you put on a tire, and I'll be like, and I mean we're talking here like you know eighty watts, sixty watts, or something. It's not very much. And you'll be like, but the difference is huge. So he'll put on a tire, and I was like, I'm like, oh, this is re- this is loads of effort, like 86 watts. And then you try to put another tire, and I'm like, oh, this is really fast, like 64, crazy. It so, is amazing, but I, I I just like the idea that you you're like two boffins in the kitchen, but doing but the, in your kitchen rather than a lab. Like you've turned your kitchen into a lab's quite funny. That <laughs> just yeah, like we did, we did other <laughs> weird ones. Like we tried to make these molds of our feet. Um, because we wanted to try and make um, like totally custom like carbon shoes and so we wanted to get like a really perfect mold of our feet so we tried like a few different things that we tried like plaster of paris and then we tried this thing i can't remember it's called something alginate which is basically like green slime that you'd kind of expect at a halloween party or something and then you pour that into like a bucket and then you stand in it and then when and then it sort of like hardens and solidifies and then you fill that with like plaster of Paris and then you get this and then you peel off all this green slime and you get this like perfect mold of your foot except you can get air bubbles trapped inside so you'll take the foot out and then it'll have these like look like massive great big like warts or something but it's actually (laughs) bubbles We tried, to put, like you, we tried to sell it the other day when we were trying to get rid of stuff. And actually, we've got some weird offers. And we actually were like, actually, we just don't think we're going to get rid of it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no one seriously wants this, do they? Strange. Oh, uh, sorry, uh, Josh. There's a funny noise going on in the background. Um, Random question sorry. alert. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry about this. It is time for a random question. Well, just, sorry, I just need to explain that. Um, since I, we started the podcast, 
the chaps at Sigma have, have insisted that I have this um, old style, this 1960s Russian computer in the corner of my room. It's got a big red light on the top. And sometimes in a podcast, it goes off generating a, a random question that I've never seen before. Uh, I've, I've walked across the room, I've torn off the bit of paper, and I'm going to read you this, this question. Um, okay. If you could be any kind of pet animal for a day, which would you be and who would be your owner? Ooh. Yeah, so you can oh. choose your owner and you can choose what pet you'd be, yeah. Um, so originally I was like, I'd be a cat because I really, like, you know, and you see the cat cats that pick like a really good sunny spot and yes. they just like really bed into the sun and they kick back and they lie there in the sun and just bask in it. And I was like, yeah. I don't actually love cats that much, but like that is a pretty dream situation. However, when you said about the owner, mm. I mean, like my family, Ted, dog, Ted is like the most adored creature in the world. And my mum is like, she treats him, he's just complete royalty and he's the right, okay. most favorite child. Mum has four children, but Ted beats us all. And right. um, he, He's just treated like an absolute king. So maybe I'd have a bit of like a day in the life of Ted. I like that. A day, and so is your, your mum as, as your owner, as, as your, your mum, and a, a day in the life of, of Ted. That sounds that sounds great. Although maybe maybe that's not that special because I mean she's quite nice to me as well. But, I mean <laughs> Ted really does get like the, the good stuff. Right. <laughs> like like okay like you'd be I don't know like I'm trying to think of. Like if she had steak, for example, let's say she yeah. had steak for dinner, like really, really nice piece of steak. She would absolutely make sure that Ted had the, the like the best, best bit of it. And then right. it'd be like, but he likes it. She like, he could have the trimmings. No, no, no. He has to have like the finest bit of steak. There you He's, go. So uh, yeah. do you know what? I actually think you made a pretty good choice. It sounds like Ted's got it, got it good. Ted's um, got it good. Yeah. Yeah. No I, I reckon that, that it's a, I think that's a, a very, very good answer. Um, he, only so goes, he only likes to sit in the front seat of the car. And if you go and, and sit there, he'll like walk up to the edge of the car and just look at you and be like, what, what the hell are you doing? That's my thing. <laughs> what what are you he doing? Sounds like, he sounds like he has actually been uh, spoiled rotten, to be honest with you. But um, you'll have to send us a, p- a picture of Ted um, for the um, for the advertising for the podcast. Maybe a picture of you and Ted or something. That'd be quite nice. Oh, I can uh, dig that out. He'll probably yeah. be looking at me hoitily, but Yeah, yeah that, that'd be really quite cool. So picture, a picture in your new kit. Um, and a picture of you and Ted will will uh, and will will we'll knock something up for the social okay. media. Um, before we wrap up this pod, and it's been an absolute blast. We've we've I, we've actually not talked about I, anything that you wanted to talk to me about. Not right? really. Uh, no, but I, I think it, it's been it's been lovely and tangential. Lots of juicy sports stuff, but also also just lots of random stuff, which is really nice. And we're almost on an hour, so it's been. Um, it's like an, a slightly easier hour record. Uh, but what I am going to ask you is five more questions, but. You're only allowed Wait, under the rules. Yeah, well, no, one word. Okay. One word answer. Okay, five questions to wrap up wrap up the pod. Um, and here we are. I think we've got a jingle for this, actually. Um, it's time for one word answers. The one word answer quiz. Slightly more lo-fi <laughs> jingle for that one. <laughs> but I do love the, the simplicity of the synthesizer there. I do love okay. an old school synth. Anyway, uh, first up, one word answer, Joss. Question one. One, in one word, describe the last five minutes of your successful hour record. <laughs> you, 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 can, you, can, you can kind of swear if you need to. <laughs> Chewy. 
Oh, what an absolutely brilliant word. That chewy. is chewy. That, that was chewy. Oh, yeah. Mm. That is one of the best one-word answers I've ever had. So good start. <laughs> Second up, um, you have to choose one of these words. So one-word answer to this proposition. Tomato, oxtail, minestrone, vegetable, mulligatawny. So, soup? Uh, no, I was going to ask you, you to choose you one. <laughs> I thought you were like saying what like links the words or something. I thought they're probably soup, right? They are correct. So you can have a point for that. They are soup. What am I supposed to do? Choose my favourite. Just choose. Yeah, just what what one comes into your head. Um, What what would you prefer? Say them again with me. Tomato, oxtail, minestrone, vegetable, or mulligatawny. I have no idea what mulligatawny is. So I'm going to go for that one. It's 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 Heinz, and it's it's basically curry soup. It is amazing. Absolutely not. What? No, you don't, you, you, you don't like curry. No, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I, lived, I went I was, to university in Birmingham. I had a lot of years of curry. I'm kind of okay, okay. but but mulligatawny soup is something special. Okay. Next time you're in in a local supermarket, you pr- they probably don't do mulligatawny soup. They'll look at you the weirdly. Sort of thing if you that's like uh, No, it's it's quite. It's no, we're talking probably upwards of eighty five pence, something Ooh. like that. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, you actually, you'd be lucky these days with inflation to see it under a quid now. Um, but anyway, question number three. Um, I've already asked a little bit about this, but one word to sum up the Harrogate World's podium. Mm. One word. I just want to come up with a really good objective and I'm trying to think that like it was just unreal like yeah I'm just going to go with unreal unreal okay yeah. that, that's I think that's nice because uh, it shows how much it kind of meant to you as well I mean it's just yeah difficult to put your, your finger on it but unreal we'll take that question yeah. four um, and it, this needs to be a number uh, your favourite rear sprocket <laughs> <laughs> The first thing that came to my head was, what the hell's a rear sprocket? And then I was like, no, no, you know this, come on. You do know this. Cog. Favourite cog. I know. What's my favourite cog? You've got to have a favourite cog. Especially back... I've got a favourite. Mine's mine's the 15. 15, middle of the block, little ring, big ring. Um, get you anywhere. It's kind of get you home. Well, my, my yeah, my immediate thought was middle. I mean, what I thought to myself very quickly then was, if my <laughs> di two was going to change, which one would I most like to be in? And my thought is the, like the middle. So I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna copy you. Fifteen, classic, yes. Yes, classic. Um, so we've we've got. I'm just lining up these words we've got already. We're gonna add it on. So Niall has just sent me a WhatsApp. Um, so far, the one words. Chewy mulligatawny, unreal middle. <laughs> it doesn't really ring so well, does it? <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Uh, finally, it's another yeah. number one. Um, which decade out of these? The seventies, eighties, nineties, noughties. I was not born in the seventies. I mean, just in terms of like, I know, I know. Seventies. <laughs> Just, I mean, no, in terms of just <laughs> the, the vibe, the 70s aesthetic, you know, the music. Um, Molly Gattoni was big in the 70s, a really popular soup. 70s, um, 80s, but, 90s. I mean, this could be in reference to your, like, fashion, music, uh, culture, art, anything. What decade, if you had to pick one of those, would you have? 70s, 80s, 90s, noughties. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, it's got to be the last couple of years, really, because this COVID thing's been an absolute blast. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, we'll, we'll put the tens and t- we'll put the tens and teens because we're in the twenties now, aren't we? So you can have the tens. Yeah, seventies, eighties, nineties, noughties, tens. I'm going to go with nineties because. No, okay. Right, because obviously I was a kid. Yep. Um, grew up then, and everything was just it was just laid back, wasn't it? Like we all yeah. just kind of ran around like pretty feral. Like there was. <laughs> So we didn't spend ages playing computer games, weren't glued to iPads. We played outside, we built tree houses, we played in the mud and we went camping and we just like, you know, built fires and stuff. And it was just really cool. And I feel, I just don't know whether people do it in the same way now. That's a, that's a lovely way actually to wrap. I mean, um, Chewy Mulligatawny Unreal Middle 90s is what we've got there. Uh, do, do with that what you will. But that's a lovely, I think a lovely way to wrap it up because uh, you know, my childhood was, the 80s decade before the 70s as well but it, it was just simple just going out with your mates simple. riding a bike a bit making fires i mean um, yeah made yeah. fires and like you just like kind of you just get on your bike and you just spin down the road to your mate's house and we just go and i don't know put hose pipes through the neighbor's like letterbox or something and stuff like, like- <laughs> that it was really fun and yeah i mean the neighbors loved that um but no yeah there was a there was um there was a real spirit of adventure. Uh, as uh, the thing about I remember about being a kid and the bit I the loved it was just looking back. It was just there was a lot of freedom, um, yeah. And you could really express yourself. It, it never harmed anybody, didn't it? But you, you sometimes did stuff that was a bit edgy. But it was just great. It was just I properly miss those times. Actually, I They're think brilliant. it was a really cool time to grow up. Yeah, yeah, it was good. yeah. So that's cool. Um, and also yeah. for me in the nineties as well. Great music in the nineties as well. It was a, a great musical era, but. Um, but there you go. But Joss, we're, we're going to have to wrap it up because it's been, um, we've overshot the hour record by six minutes, 53. I think that equates yeah. to about another six Ks or five and a half K. Um, so you've added, you've got a fair bit of distance added on, but Joss, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much for you. having me. Yeah, nice um, chat to you too. Yeah. And um, yeah, well, all the best, all the very best living in Andorra. I'm sure you'll settle in. It's absolutely, yeah. an, it's an amazing place. I'll be interested place. to know whether you've, in, you enjoyed this chat more or whether you'll enjoy Dan's chat more next week. I'd like to. Yeah. What I'll do, I mean, I'll probably give you, um, I'll do a feedback form. I'll give you marks out of probably. Marks out of 10. Yeah. And then vice versa, you need to sort of mark, mark me as well. But, um, it's, it's, do you know what? I have a word that he's going to, he's got to do a good job because this has been a good pod. Um, you've set the bar pretty high, Joss, especially with your quiz knowledge as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> cool. but uh, all right. Thanks very much, Joss. You, you take care and uh, thanks again and uh, all the best this season and catch up soon. Thank you. Bye. Wonderful stuff from Joss there. I really hope she continues to shine this season with such an exciting calendar ahead of her and a fresh set of challenges. Thanks to Perry at Gwyneth for the podcast theme tune and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget as ever to like, subscribe and rate the FOD. And rate the FOD. <laughs> rate the pod, I'll leave that in. And want to recommend it to Ted the dog because after all, he's probably got the choice of what goes on the car stereo as well as first choice of riding shotgun. And finally, a massive thanks again to Joss for joining us on the podcast today. I hope her move to Andorra goes smoothly and she has a blast all season long. Cheers all, stay safe and goodbye.